and welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is a replay episode. That's right, Brian and I have taken the week off, but instead of just leaving you all hanging, we're replaying one of our popular episodes in season one, and that episode is looking at John chapter 14. One of the areas of focus for Brian is the Gospel of John, and he helps us take a deep dive into these verses and helps us rethink them and what Jesus might have been saying in these famous passages. Hope you enjoy. So Ryan, I thought I thought today we might talk about um, a passage of scripture, a specific one. We, we've we kind of talked about the Bible in general so far. Yes. And, uh, we've suggested that there are some different ways that we can approach it and, and read it, and there's some different things that can take us to a different kind of understanding of the scripture. And so I thought today we might use a specific example. Oh, um, I like specifics. <laughs> you know, kind of make it a little bit more concrete. So, yes. So I thought we'd look at John 14. Okay. And, uh, you know, just... I've you know I've said I let's look at this passage, but I, we haven't really talked about ahead of time where I'm going to take you with this. But this I, is yes, I am blind to where we're going. <laughs> this is a passage though that I've I've looked at enough, and I feel like I can kind of lead you and and uh, look at it in a different way. This is a passage is very familiar to a lot of people. In fact, John 14, the first four verses is really what I'm going to look at. John 14, one through four. Okay, should should I read it? Yeah, you can in a minute. I was just going to say, okay. let me say this first. It's one that's I think very familiar to people, and even you hear it in movies sometimes. Um, I can think about some movies that that have um, cemetery scenes or graveyard scenes, and they'll use this passage. And so I think it's one just in general that is familiar to us. But here, here's my point is sometimes the familiarity makes us assume certain things about a passage and about its meaning mm-hmm. when there may be some other things, some of the tools we've talked about so far. And, and three I'm going to look at particularly today is we're going to talk about uh, the language that the Bible was written in, uh, uh-huh. the New Testament was written in Greek, as we've mentioned before. We're going to talk about some little little language stuff, not a lot, not real deep, but talk about that. And then um, some things about the the culture. And then the main thing with this passage is, is the Gospel of John is kind of my area that I've spent a lot of time studying. Uh-huh. And so when you look at the the narrative as a whole, it, when you look at the, the story of the Gospel of John as a whole, I think there are some things that this passage that leaps out that may be different than what we thought about. And so, uh, again, not to, not to change anybody's mind or anything, but just saying, hey, here's some different things to look at. So that's what I thought we would yeah, do today. Sounds good. Okay. Why don't you read then John 14, 1 through 4 forms. Yeah. And you're reading out of the... The CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. Okay. That that would be something for us to talk about sometime is like the different versions. Absolutely. So we'll yeah. talk about that later. I'm going to mostly be using the NIV today, the 2011 version, but we either one works and whatever version you're using at home. So yes. All right. Here CSB. we go. CSB, John 14, 1 through 4. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Okay, thanks. This is So this passage is a part of the Gospel of John that we call, it's a part of what we call the upper room discourse. And a discourse just means a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Just like we're having here. Yes. It's so so if you look through the really from John 13 through John 17, 
you've got Jesus and his disciples talking about a lot of different things. So they'll ask him a question, he'll respond to it, they'll respond to that, and, and so it's it's a discourse, it's a, it's a back and forth, and that's mm-hmm. that's a part of this. So that passage, you've, you've heard that before, yes. and you maybe heard it at funerals and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. here's my question with this. When you read this, okay, I want you to look at it, Ryan, and, okay. and again, we haven't really rehearsed this or anything, so I don't know how you're going to answer this. <laughs> you're going to make me look dumb. No, <laughs> I'm afraid you're going to be too smart for me on this. Okay, but all right. When you read My Father's House, what what does that make you think about? What, or maybe we could put it this way: What do you think most people think about when they when heaven? They get, okay, My Father's House is heaven, right? Uh-huh. So, and there so, are many rooms in heaven. Okay, there's there's a lot of place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's an interesting. The ro- word "rooms" there is an interesting one, by the way. I I don't want I wasn't necessarily going to talk about that today, but th- there's a word. In the Gospel of John, that is remain to remain, and that word "room" is related to that word. So it's a, it's a it's a an abiding place or a place to stay. Okay, uh, which is an important concept in the Gospel of John. Staying with Jesus and abiding with Him, to use kind of a word we don't use much anymore, is uh, is a big theme. Is a big theme. But so. Father's house. Heaven. Heaven. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going okay. for right now. And and so this passage again, when you hear at funerals and that kind of thing. Um, we, we, we get, the, when you think about this whole passage in these four verses, what is Jesus saying then, would you say? He says, I am going there and I'm making a way, a place for you and you will be with me there. Okay. And then he's going to re- return, Turn. which we think about as. And he'll, uh, Jesus's return coming back again on the second coming. Okay. Okay. Or, or, or uh, I don't know, maybe resurrection. I don't know. Right. So, so this is, I would say this is the, the most common understanding of this passage, and that's the context we hear it in. Mm-hmm. Now, there, like I said, there are three different things I want us to kind of look at today. Um, and I, I'm trying to decide how to do this. Let's let's think about that phrase, "My Father's House" first, okay? Because you know, it's it, it's it's. There's a song about this, do you know, back in the "Come oh, and Go it? With Me to My Father's House." Never right. mind. It was that's well, early Christian you're, you're, CCM music. You're a a, a a music ministry major, so that's I you no got a, no <laughs> no. Do not draw. But like you in youth a, group, it was come and go with me to my father's house. Okay, okay. okay. No no copyright claims there. Okay. Anyway, so sorry. so anyway, let's Side let's note. go with my father's house because my father's house is used other times in the New Testament. In fact, it's used other times in the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's. Turn to John chapter two, okay? Because um, this—it's only used one other time in the Gospel of John, and and it happens to be in John two. Now, the last half of John two, starting in verse thirteen, there is yeah. is a story that most of us are familiar with. Now, this is getting into where we're talking about what the Gospel of John is doing as a narrative, okay? Like all together, right? Like, all like together, the whole story together as a narrative. Because John two, what we talked about this a little bit earlier, and you called it what? You said this is the story of. Cleansing the temple. Cleansing the temple, something like that. Mm. Now, that story uh, appeared, that that account, when, when, and I should say, when I use the word story, I don't mean by that that it's fictional. I mean, it, this is an account, and so mm-hmm. sometimes I'll use the word account, which I think is a better better way to talk about this. That occurs in all four Gospels. I don't know if you knew that or not. It's one of the things that occurs in all four Gospels. The, the, the cleansing the temple? That that story. Okay. Yeah. I'm calling it cleansing the temple. Yeah, I don't call it that. If <laughs> well, you've noticed. <laughs> I'm just saying this is what it says in the Bible, and if you're in your Bible, it might right, say right. something about Jesus cleansing the temple. But 
but that that passage, interestingly enough, is in all four gospels. There's some things that are in all four, and there's some things that are that are only in in um, three of them. Mm-hmm. The other three gospels, in fact, this is something we should probably talk about sometime. We call the synoptics because they tend to be very similar. They see things the same way. That's what mm-hmm. synoptic means. And 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 the Gospel of John's kind of the outlier of the four because we get different kinds of accounts and different. Um, just different language. ways of telling the story. Exactly. Now, here's here's what's really interesting about this. The other three gospels have that that this account of Jesus in the temple uh, at at the end, right mm-hmm. in the in the final Passover of Jesus' life, um, just days before he is arrested and crucified. Um, that's uh, and then raises from the rises from the dead. That's that's where that account is in the Gospel of John, though it's in chapter two, which is really interesting. Yes, and uh, and there are some people who think maybe it happened twice: once at the beginning of Jesus' ministry and once at the end. But what's interesting is John has it here, and he doesn't have it at the end. Hmm. And, and so all of them have it only once. Okay, so let's right. let's leave that aside for a minute. Whether we think you know it happened multiple times or, or just once, but I, I want you to notice. Just read. Um, so, so t- tell me the story. How would you tell the story in general of what happened there? Um, you want to just give you like a brief overview? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Jesus comes into the temple, sees that it's being used, selling things. It's not okay. what it was intended to be. Right. Flips over some tables. I love that. I love thinking about Jesus flipping tables. <laughs> People, people like to refer to it a lot. You know, it happened this once, and I think for a really good reason. But a lot, a lot of you, people like to just ju- use it to justify. I, I wish I had a sometimes. flannel graph as a child of like Jesus flipping some tables. That didn't happen. He right. was just the shepherd. Okay, nice. Um, comes in, flips some tables, say, "Get out of here! You've made okay. it a den of thieves. You're, okay. you're 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 doing all this stuff." Okay, so where is he when he's doing this? Look! Look at verse fourteen, for example, in 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 chapter two. It says, "In in the temple, in the temple courts." Down in um, uh, verse nineteen is an interesting part of this. Is Jesus answers them, "Destroy this temple,", temple. and I'll re- raise it again in three days. And, and they, of course, misunderstand him. They think that he's talking about the physical temple. But then John tells us that, or we we say the narrator is when we're talking about this says. Um, Verse 21, the temple he had spoken of was his body. So Jesus is saying something here about him himself being being the temple. But here's getting back to John 14 and what we're talking about, my father's house. Notice that Jesus uses that same phrase here. The only other place in the gospel of John, it's in verse 16. You want to read that for us? Uh, Yes. He told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Now, where? what do you think he's talking about? If, when you see Father's house in this context, what do you think he's talking about? The temple. Okay. The, the, the physical temple that they're in. If you look at God's house in the Old Testament, that phrase, the house of God, um, you know, before the building of the temple, at the time of King Solomon, it's usually in reference to the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we find it being referenced to the temple after the building of the temple. So, and again, this is this is one of the few times we find this phrase in the New Testament, and really the only other time in the Gospel of John we find it. Notice in verse seventeen, it says, "His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me,' uh, which is a, a reference to to a psalm." Okay. Okay. And so that idea of God's house, my Father's house, you know, in Jesus term here we would understand to be to be the temple. Now, 
go back to John 14 then, uh-huh. right? What did we say that my father's house, how we take it there? Is heaven. Okay. Now, here's the thing I, I'm, I'm going to say is when we look at a narrative as a whole, one of the questions we have to ask is what is the author trying to do? What what is, what is he trying to do? And I mentioned back in John 2, John gives us this very interesting thing where he says Jesus was talking about the temple of his body. So he, let's talk culturally and historically for a minute about the temple and what it would have meant in the first century. Um the temple, what would you say? If I asked you the question, what did the temple mean to the Jewish people in the first century? What, what would you have said? It is where God resides. Okay, so it's God, yeah, God's house, right? Yeah, it's where and, he's in there. And, and, and again, I'm not saying that they had this kind of simplistic understanding of God being limited to the temple. In fact, their old, the Old Testament makes it very clear that the God uh, that we worship is not limited by by a place. By a physical place. But it, it, in a special way, God's presence was manifest in the temple. And, mm-hmm. and there are examples of that. You, you can go all the way back to the to the wilderness wanderings. And there's that when the when the tent of meeting is moved, you know, the the God's presence, presence. is is there, you yes. know, in, in a physical form mm-hmm. where where they could see it. So so it, it's it's where God's presence is. And then what else? What 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 did the what was performed at the temple, or why did the Jews go to the temple uh, to atone for sin, sacrifice? Okay. So it was a place where they could draw. He, he, the, you know this as a music minister. One of the one of the uh, uh, common ideas of worship in the Old Testament is drawing near to God. Yes, right. That's that's the word that's used when we're going to draw near. Hmm. And, and so it's this idea that again, physically, they were coming into His presence, right? And mm-hmm. they were, and what enabled them to do that is the atonement of sins. They they were forgiven of their sins, and uh, they could come into the presence of a holy God. So the interesting thing about this is um, a couple. I'll say a couple of other things. Is is it seems like the Gospel of John. One of the major themes in the Gospel of John is this idea of Jesus becoming the temple. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so think about it in two ways. Then, if we talk about the temple being where God's presence is, Jesus came to to be with His people, right? To right. To, to live among us. I hadn't meant to do this, but even go back to John chapter one. Okay, um, and and we hadn't talked about this ahead of time at all. Um, but if you look at verse fourteen of John chapter one, it talks about the word. Right, and mm-hmm. then and then it says what the word became flesh and dwelt among us and made his. Here's the interesting thing: that word "dwelling" is is literally uh, the verb that comes from the idea of a tent. Uh, Skene is the is okay. a Greek word for tent, and this is the idea of tenting in, in you know with with him. So the tent was the, the, that's the word that was used in the Old Testament for the tabernacle. Okay. So yes. here's the idea of God's presence. Jesus came to be God's presence in our midst. Here's the other thing that Jesus did for us, right, is the reason we can draw near to God uh, into his presence. The Old Testament, you remember what the Hebrew writer says in the in the book of Hebrews, that in the past, you know, the sacrifice of uh, blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away sin, but mm-hmm. ultimately Jesus came to be this sacrifice on our behalf, right? And, right. And to make it possible... Uh, to, for us to be cleansed from sin and to, and to have this intimate relationship with God that that we've lost because of our sin, right? Yeah. So I think that's part of why John is writing his gospel, and I even think there's a pretty good reason for that. Now, 
this is another historical thing. Um, if you know, a lot of us, if, if our study Bibles will talk about here's the date that this book was probably written, we have kind of introductory notes to these. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think the Gospel of John's written very close to the end of the first century, sometime around 90 AD, 89. It's, it's something like our that. last gospel, right? Uh, that's, yeah. I mean, it is traditionally, I, I would say so, but, but <laughs> here's the thing I'm going to tell you is there are not only myself, but there are, there are a group of people, scholars of the gospel of John, people who've studied this, who are beginning to think that it might be more closely connected to, to a major event that took place earlier in the first century. Uh, and that's, if I if I use the the word AD seventy for you, if I mm-hmm. said if I said seventy AD, what what does that make you think about us? That makes me think about the tearing down of the temple by the Romans. Okay, so the Romans came in, they surrounded Jerusalem. Came from sixty eight or so, they surrounded Jerusalem. They there was a war. The Jews had the, started a war. The Jewish war. Read about it in, in the in the um, Jewish historian Josephus. You know the wars of the Jews talks about this, but they they came and they they ended up destroying the temple, and so. Imagine this, okay? I would say this this is kind of like the 9-11 for the Jewish people in the first century, uh, but in, in a way even even greater, because this is the place where God's presence is, and it's also the place where we draw near to God. So now this place, it's everything. This place is destroyed, and you can even see this to this day. You've been you've been to Jerusalem. I have, and of course, you the know, Wailing Wall. That's right. It, the traditional site of of the uh, of the Jewish Temple is there, but the Temple obviously is not there. There's a there's a couple of mosques that are on top of mm-hmm. that Temple platform that probably was was built by Herod and you know rebuilt and that kind of thing. And yeah, the Wailing Wall that that platform on which the Temple was built is a is a sacred place for the Jewish people to this day, right? I mean it's a, it's an it's a big deal. Right. So imagine that. Imagine what people what kind of questions you're going to be asking after the temple's destroyed. Well how do we where's draw, God? Exactly. How do we draw near to God in in this context? And I think that that and I'm not the only one, but I think the Gospel of John is written partly in response to this to say Jesus was anticipating this and and actually he is the temple he is he is the solution uh, to this so well, let me show you one other place uh, look at John chapter 5 uh, th- again this is a major theme I'm trying to kind of show you this theme uh, as I'm sorry I said John 5 I meant John 4 look at John chapter 4. This okay. is the story of the woman at the well, you might remember. And this mm-hmm. is what's interesting about this event is it takes place in Samaria. Right. right. And that's one of the big deals. We know, you know, if you're a student of the Bible, Samaria, you know, and, and the Jewish people didn't get along. Yes. You didn't typically go, th- even if you're, if you're a good Jewish person in the first century, you didn't even go into Samaria, right? But yes. here's Jesus. He meets this woman at the well. And it's interesting when she begins to understand that he is someone special. She asked a question that is central to the difference between her people and the Jewish people, and that's in verse 19. Um, uh, this is uh, John chapter 4, 19. Uh, you want to read that? Just yeah. Read 19 and 20. 19 and 20. Okay, here we go, 19. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. So our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, I would say. So so where she's talking about is Mount Gerizim, 
in in Samaria, where the the Jewish people had had worshipped. One of the things I know we're going to talk about in the future is the the time between the Testaments, yes. the time between the what closing happens? of the Old Testament, and there's a major event that took place that would it would be nice for us to to know about this now. But I'll just go ahead and say that they had built a temple there. The Samaritans had built a temple that a Jewish king by the name of John Hyrcanus had come and destroyed. Okay. Which is very interesting. Before this, this, this happened in the intertestinal period. Before this conversation between Jesus and this woman. Okay. So imagine that she's saying, "Oh, you people, you 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 Jewish people, say Are there." That. And so here's the other thing: the contrast between this mountain and there's a mountain in Jerusalem that's called Zion, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where you people say, you Jews say that we should worship in this place. And I want you to notice that word place because we're going to come back to that in just a minute as well. You, you see the word place yep. there? Uh, you Jews claim that the place, place to worship is yeah, in Jerusalem. So place of worship, right? And it's interesting. Jesus, You remember what Jesus says in response to this? Uh, a, a time is coming when we'll worship neither on this mountain... Nor in Jerusalem. Nor in Jerusalem. So the time's coming where... Think about this. There's a destroyed temple on Mount Gerizim. And Jesus is saying there's a, there's a time coming where it's neither going to be this place nor that place. But the true worshiper is going to worship in spirit and in truth. And I think what Jesus is saying is, I, I'm the one who's coming to fulfill the purpose for which the temple was made. That, that's what I think is, is going on. I am, I am God's presence in the midst of his people, and I am the means by which you can have an intimate relationship with God. That's what I think is the gospel of John's really all about. So let's go back to John 14. So it's a little bit of history. Do you have any questions so far? Do you kind of understand where I mean, I'm going yeah, with this? Yeah, you're baking, you're baking my noodle here. You know, I, I think it's really interesting that that dwelling, you yeah. know, they pointed out that that tent, you know, going back to that Old Testament thing in John 1 where you're talking about right. he dwelt among us and kind of going to, has this connotation of, of tent. Yeah. And I think that's something that's so easy for us. I mean, just as you talk about this, like it's so easy for us to miss something in this. And so we're going to have to have a conversation about how do we figure this stuff out <laughs> well, without yeah. having to and, go to a... And there are, here's the thing. We have such an embarrassment of good tools these days that we can, even online, I mean, you don't have to buy anything anymore. There's, there's ways for us to to get access to this. And I think exactly, this is what we're talking about, that that it's, it's, it's not that that reading the Bible isn't isn't good, and but sometimes just a little bit of extra research can take us to a different level where we're like, oh wow, I, I really begin to see what's going on here. And that that's kind of what I'm. Yeah, so we I'm don't saying. we don't get lost in translation, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, but that's true. You know, what I mean, right. like that. You know, we just have this. We don't see the. You know, and I, I I've taken very basic Greek and Hebrew, sure. but like. The complexity of Greek, and there's these multiple layers of right. language at play here, right. and context of again, yeah. you know, it's we talked about his uh, in an episode or two ago, like sola scripture, is it enough? Yeah. But like, there's a social context where the sure. people are reading this through, and you know, as as we bring into the uh, the Jewish war and the the Romans yeah. destroying the temple in 7 AD, like, oh, you know, it's it's this for yeah. me, it's these light bulb moments to kind of go, there is. You know, it's easy for us, I think, just to read through this stuff and go, yep, I know what that means, but kind of going, understanding this. Anyway, right. so I'm just, I don't really have questions. I'm just <laughs> soaking it in, bro. I'm just soaking it in. Well, let's go back to John 14 and read it again. Then. And I think what you said about culturally, there's so many things, and I see this a lot with the, you know, the another book that I've taught and I study is, is the book of Revelation. We'll talk about that at some point. But people have all these ideas because... Of, of and they don't even realize it, but they've kind of soaked it in culturally. Even if you've never studied it, even if you've never spent a lot of time, you just have a, a basic cultural understanding. So when I said, you know, my father's house back in John 14, you mean say, well, it's heaven. 
right? Mm-hmm. But then we look in John 2, and the only other time we find that phrase in the Gospel of John, you said, well, it's the temple. Mm-hmm. So we got to at least consider, and again, narratively, we got to at least consider if John is saying Jesus is is fulfilling the purpose for which the the temple was was created. Then then we need to look at John fourteen again. So yeah, let's let me read through it this time. I'm and I'm reading from the NIV. Okay, similar uh, you know uh, translation here. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many dwelling places, many rooms, is what the NIV says. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare, and here's where I want to go now, a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. You see that word's used three times? Mm -hmm. Now, We've looked at some history so far. I've kind of begun to show you how the narr- I understand the narrative of the Gospel of John holding together in one of its major purposes. You know, John two, John four with the woman at the well, mm-hmm. um, uh, John one even this idea of dwelling. He made his dwelling well, with us, right? And, and so here in John four, I, I want to go now to, to language. And you mentioned that, and we did look at that a little bit with the tent idea. Yeah, this word place. I'm going to tell you the Greek word for it, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. But it's it's the word tapos. Okay, that's it, we, we get our word top, topography, okay. our topographic map comes yep. from that Greek word to, talking about a location or a place, and, and that that word can have several different connotations. But one of them we already saw, right? When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he used that same word. He says this place. Right, this mm-hmm. place of worship, and we even use that phrase today. If I said place of worship, right, we mean a, a location where we come. There's a physical location, right? So, so we saw that already in John five that place, and and this is one of the definitions of this word can mean simply place of worship. Look in John eleven. This is one more place where we find <laughs> no pun intended. That's one more location where we find <laughs> this this word one used. More place. Yeah, mm-hmm. in verse forty eight. Uh, so this is what happens here is this is kind of things are coming to a head with with um, the Jewish leaders and Jesus and there's been this kind of this conflict going on and and I'll say this is true of all the gospels the further you go in the gospels the more that conflict heightens it usually starts in the gospels you know kind of a minor conflict but it comes greater and greater and greater and so it's gotten to a point now in John 11 where they gather. Uh, the, the NIV uses this translation, the Sanhedrin. They gather this group of Jewish leaders in order to basically talk about what are we going to do about Jesus? This is becoming a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the way that they they say this. Um, go, go ahead and read this for me. This is chapter 11, verse starting 47, and read down through verse 48 for me, yep. if you would. So the chief priests and the Pharisees convened the Sanhedrin and were saying, what are we going to do since this man is doing many signs? If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Okay. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read verse 48 from the NIV. Okay? okay. Here's what it says in the NIV. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Okay? So... Now that's 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 they the NIV the, the translators of the NIV have done a little interpretation there, but mm-hmm. what they've said is one of the words one of the ideas of place is temple is place of worship right so the mm-hmm. so the temple and think about it in context the Sanhedrin's would say well they'll come and take away our place now here here's an area where we could 
you know, when we use the word place, we might think about position, like a position of authority or something like that. But this is the word tapas, which seems to mean more of a physical location. location. So the the translators of the NIV thought, well, what could what could the Jewish leaders be thinking about when they talk about the Romans? Remember this this empire who was really in charge of <laughs> of of um, uh, Israel at this time, you know, Judea at this time. Um, you know, are saying uh, they could come and they could take away both our our place and our nation. Mm-hmm. Now, we already talked historically about that's exactly what happened. Yes, right. That that not only did they come and take the nation, but they also destroyed Destroy the, the temple. temple. And, and the the, the Sanhedrin are saying we're worried about this because this is what may happen. And again, if John's writing this, at, especially in the immediate aftermath of the destruction of the temple in seventy AD, let's say sometime in the mid seventies. And answering that question, what do we do now that the temple's destroyed? Uh, you know, I think it's the idea. Well, not only was this anticipated, not only did Jesus know about this, but there's a way in which he is now fulfilling the, the temple. He is he, he he's becoming, you know, this this place. Um, so going back into, into John 14, then this three times he says, "I'm going to prepare a place." Now I have one more question narratively. And I'll go ahead and tell you, and I'd love to do this another time, but the temple theme in the Gospel of John opens up so many things. I, I would, this may be a slight exaggeration, but almost every chapter in the Gospel of John, almost every account has some kind of reference to the, to the temple. And that's what makes me and other people think that this is probably written after this traumatic event that took mm-hmm. place in the middle of the first century, which for the, for the Jewish people would have been a huge, major uh, conflict, you know, and so I think John's answering the question: What do we do now? What What's the answer? And, and his you know, his answer is Jesus. You know, the Jesus is the one who brings us to the Father, and and He is the one um, that that is is the is God dwelling in our midst. And so mm. that's that's really what He's doing. But um, um, I have one more question. Then, so I, I said that. John 14, this is where it's important to think about the context, the, the larger context of where this fits within the book, okay? Mm-hmm. And we talked about the importance of context. So this is the upper room discourse. So John 13 through 17 is this, is this um, conversation Jesus is having with his disciples. We talked about the very beginning of this. When I say the upper room, where are we talking about? What's what's going on in the upper room when you think about that? Passover meal. Okay, Passover meal. Jesus washes his feet. Mm-hmm. They're, they're injuries. What happens at the end of this day? Do you remember? Uh, Judas takes off, and then he goes to the garden. Okay, the Judas, yeah, he was a part of this, right? And mm-hmm. then he takes off, and Jesus and his disciples go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where they, they would often go, mm-hmm. and Judas brings these soldiers, right, to, yes. to, to arrest Jesus. So that night... That this is said, he's arrested, and then um, he, he's crucified the next day. Right? I mean, right. That's, that's we you know think about this. Um, if you're from a church that celebrates Monday Thursday, for example, this is a passage we read a lot because we understand that to be the Thursday uh, before his crucifixion, before Good Friday. You know mm. what we call Good Friday oftentimes, and 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 so so. Let me ask you just this question again. Look back at John 14. Okay. Don't let your hearts be troubled. 
uh, and, and he's already said the reason he's just told he's just told Peter, you're going to disown me. You know, all you're going to flee. All this stuff's going to happen. I'm going to die. And they're having a hard time with this. That's why he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, I would say. You believe in God. Trust me as well. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? So here's my question. Where is Jesus going? Hmm. <laughs> so again, a lot of people will say, okay, if my father's house is heaven, right, that Jesus is going to heaven, in, but, but when Jesus says these words in the context, where is he going? He's going to the cross is what I would say. In other words, he's going to be arrested, mm, right? He's, yes. That's where he's going next. He's going to die. Now, I mean, I guess we could say he's going going to heaven. He's going back to the Father, but but he, he goes to the cross is the next place he's going. And then you said resurrection. If I'm going, don't, don't be upset because if I'm going, I will come back. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, Again, there's different ways to understand this. I'm not saying that this is the right way to understand it, but when I look at this in context, what it makes me think about is Jesus saying, I'm going to the cross in order to become the the means by which you are able to have in the presence of God. The presence of God, right? What in, in other words, what the temple was for, this idea of the sacrifice, this idea of of, you know, the Hebrew writer says it didn't really deal with sin, it just pushed sin back until the, the son came and became a, 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 an atoning sacrifice, became a, a better sacrifice for us. We'll talk about that another day, too, what that all means. But yeah. but um, he, he's going to the cross in order to become this this place, I think, this this means by which we can draw near to he's God. He's becoming the new temple. And, and, and you, you think about what it says— um, you know what he said to the woman at the well back in in John four. There's a time coming, neither in this place or in that. The, the true worship is going to worship in spirit and in truth, right? So we, you know, we we talk about this with our buildings all the time, and I'm I'm pretty big about not calling that the church, right? The church is not the building for us as Christians. We we gather in these places, and it's nice to have a place, but we don't need a particular location. We're not tied. To well, and you know we're we're still in the midst of this pandemic, and there's been lots of things going on with churches not meeting and this kind of thing, and and we've tried to really emphasize the fact that that the church is is essentially you know God dwelling in us. It's it's anywhere we gather, um, you know, and, and He's working in our midst. Uh, you, you see what I'm saying? And that's mm-hmm. and that's what Jesus is accomplishing. I think at the cross, His coming back, I would say, is His resurrection that He. You know, he he wasn't going there and and dying, even though they were going to see this. He and that wasn't the end, but he was dying, and then he was raised from the dead. So, and it, does that, yeah, I, it, it it's a different take on it. You know, what I mean, yeah. like it's this nuanced reading yeah. of it. And I think you know, it you know, I think it's hard for us, you know, especially in this is no fault of church at all, but no. we don't read John all in one sitting. You know, right. what I mean, like we don't. And so we miss sometimes these, you know, we miss the themes or we don't understand the, the, the language that's underneath it or, you know, understanding again, some of that cultural context of it. And so we miss those themes and, you know, uh, Lauren, my wife and I have had these conversation and as I've been digging into stuff and I always go, how much context is enough context? Right. 
you know, and so, you know, just as we look through John, like there's this theme being built through the whole book of John. And so, um, it's just really interesting because I hadn't seen that before. Right. You know, and it's, and it's, I think it's hard because we don't typically sit down and read the book of John all the way through. And I think someone could have read that 15 times and still. Right. And that's, that's all I'm, I guess we're trying to say in this, in this podcast is again, it's, there's no, like you said, there's no fault. It's not, there's no, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with, with any of that, what we do. It's just, if we want, if we want to, I mean, I guess I would ask you this question too, Ryan, does it, does that give you a new nuance of understanding that may help, help you in your faith? Absolutely. It's, you know, just, you know, that phone conversation we had in the summer that kind of kicked off this whole podcast of like when I see a definition of a word and maybe a light that I hadn't seen before, right. you know, and it, you know, and I think even for us as we interpret scripture, there's social pressures on us and what we've been taught, or you know, someone else has said to us that's pushing down on us, and it's hard for us to kind of break through that. And so, right. you know, thinking about that a little differently, you see those words of Jesus in a in a very different way. I think it helps emphasize really what Jesus was about and 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 what it means to us that we are now able because of his because of his work because of what he accomplished on the cross and in his resurrection the the intimacy we're able to have the relationship we're able to have with God now. Let me look at one more passage and this is not in the Gospel of John at all. It's actually in a in a different book. It's in the book of Revelation. And this is chapter 21 is where I want to go to. Mm-hmm. Great part of the book of Revelation. And, and I believe, you know, people, the book of Revelation says it's written by John, and, and I believe it's the same author. There's a lot of people who have questions about that, and we could talk about that another time maybe. I believe this is written by the same person who wrote the Gospel of John, and I believe it is John the Apostle, the son of Zebedee. There's, there's a, you know, some scholars who would disagree with me on that, but I'm just going to tell you that's what I think without, without showing you all the evidence right now. I'm yeah. just going to say that's what I think. Okay, we're already at 37 minutes, Brian. <laughs> so there is a, um, there is a, uh, not that you're counting. There, there is a. Um, uh, you know, there's some connection between the book of Revelation and the Gospel of John, and, and mm-hmm. we could say linguistically and all kinds of different things. But look at John 21. I'm going to have you read this too. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to read uh, verses 1 through 4 of chapter mm-hmm. 21, and then I'm going to show you something else in the, in the chapter that it, I think is kind of cool. CSB okay? CSB yeah. version? Yeah, okay, here we go. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Okay, so that, that's a great that's a great promise, right? Mm-hmm. What, what a great image. But what do you given what we've talked about today, what do you notice in that dwelling? And that's the word, that's the same word we looked at in John 1. That's his tent, his his tabernacle would be one way we could we could translate that. Will be among his people and he will tent with them literally. He will skenuo is the word. He he will he will be with them. He'll dwell with them. That's the promise we have. Now I want to show you one more thing. If you look down this and this is all talking about you might remember this chapter it describes the holy city the new Jerusalem, the walls of it and and all these oh, different yes. emeralds and all this kind of thing. Look down and I want you to read verse 22 um uh just just verse 22. Oh boy. I just read it, and this is interesting. I did not see a temple in it, 
because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. Wow. So what were you going to say? What? Well, I just when I saw the temple, and I'm like, I don't see an, a physical temple right? because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And that's what I think the Gospel of John is about. It, it, it's that there's no longer any physical place that we go in order to be in the presence of God because because of what Jesus did, he is now dwelling with us. And and the Holy Spirit of God now indwells us. He, he lives within us, as Paul tells us in the in the in the book of Romans. And and so that's the, you know, for me, this this passage in Revelation again connected in some way to the Gospel of John is kind of the, you know, the exclamation point on this. That uh, and the funny thing is if if I always say if if you would have had a picture postcard in the first century of the of the city of Jerusalem, the temple would have been the most prominent thing you would have seen. Uh, yes. Right? Yeah. And so here's this description of the new Jerusalem. And you don't see it. And there's no temple because God and the Lamb, uh, you know, Jesus is the Lamb in, in the book of Revelation are the temple. So. Yeah. That's very interesting. I hadn't thought about that. You know, I, that was kind of wrapping this thought up as as you referenced, like, you know, in the first century, you would have seen the temple. Yeah. And I remember when I was in Jerusalem, we yeah. went to the, they had the miniatures. Sure. And I remember seeing the Wailing Wall kind of going, wait, this is only how much of this? And they right. had this miniature model and they go, oh, here's how much of this wall is yes. left. And you're like, oh my gosh, the yeah. enormity of the temple. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would have been so focal. And then, you know, as you read, yeah. you know, I've read Revelation again, like yeah. tying this all together. I've read this many times in that there is that, that physical. Yeah image is not there. Yeah. It, you know, it's like St. Louis. If you have a picture postcard of St. Louis, you're going to see the arch, right? But yeah. the temple was on the highest point in the city of Jerusalem in, in that, that time. And, and still today, if you go to old Jerusalem, I mean, you know, the the, the temple platform, what we call it, the, the, the platform that the temple itself set on was monstrous. Was monstrous. And, you know, it's described as, as gold covered and, and it would have just, it would have been the focal point of the city. And you look up to it, it's the highest point in the city and it's this huge building, like you said. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, this idea of a new Jerusalem where there is no temple is an interesting, interesting idea and kind of summarizing what, what uh, Revelation is about as well. So, wow. Well, Brian, thank you so much. Wow, there's a lot to digest there. And I think the good thing, and and let me just kind of conclude with this. Again, this is is kind of showing why some of these things we're talking about are important, why they make a difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I'm not trying to change anybody's mind on something or make them, but but I think we can see uh, some nuances. We see a little bit more depth. When When we do some simple things, context, language, history and the narrative as a whole, reading the book as a whole. I think those four things we've talked about, uh, this is kind of a way to give you an example of of how it can make a difference. Yeah. And you're going to have to give us lots of resources yeah. online. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll have yeah. that on, on the website, thebiblebistro.com, right. that you can come and find uh, all kinds of fun resources as well. So Very cool. thanks, Brian, yeah. bringing it. Appreciate it. <laughs> no problem, Brian. I'm looking forward to the next time. Yep. Yep.